Welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. tell you all about it, but really exciting. Um, and we're going to be reading out of Exodus. This is the Song of Moses, starting in chapter 15, verse 1. It says, Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea, and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The floods stood in a heap. The deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. You have led your steadfast love. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. The peoples have heard, they tremble, pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed, trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them. Because of the greatness of your arm, they are as still as a stone. Till your people, O Lord, pass by, till your people pass by whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. For when the horses of Pharaoh with his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground in the midst of the sea. Then Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. His horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. So we're entering this new series on prayer. And this thing on? Yep. Did I click it off? It's on? Okay. 
We're entering this new series on prayer, and <clears throat> um, we're going through the songs of the scriptures. So we're, we're going through the entire scriptures. We're starting here in Exodus, and we're going all the way to Revelation. And over the next, I don't know, eight, nine weeks or so, we'll hit all of these songs in the scriptures and talk about prayer. And then two things we want to do uh, as we go through this is give you a practical prayer point, something that, that builds into your prayer life, but then also write a verse or a line for our church. And, and, and in a new song, like what song are we trying to discover as a church together? So each sermon we're going to have both of those pieces in it. And, and, and guys, these songs in the scriptures are um, they're essentially prophetic in nature. And, and so when, whenever you see a song in scripture like of Moses here and of Miriam, there's something really powerfully pr- prophetic that is happening in those passages. And, and then we have a whole book of them in the Psalms, right? Like, I think we're only doing one in the Psalms, but there's a whole book of songs. It's the largest book in the scripture. So songs are an integral part of, of who we are as Christians, who we are as followers of Jesus. It, they're actually an integral part of who we are as, as people, right? In, in a culture. Like, that's, uh, and so uh, like, when you read these in the scriptures, we're going to kind of narrow in on them and, and hopefully build a new song together and discover that together as a church. Uh, so it's, um, I try to make it a habit to when, so I'll get my girls ready for school in the morning. I have an eight and a nine-year-old. Getting ready for school. Uh, Missy and I do that. And then Missy goes to work. She, she works at home. She goes to work. And then um, I'll make breakfast for the girls. And while they're eating breakfast, uh, I try to make it a habit to read scripture to them. And, and I normally just read the passage we're going we're gonna to study and, and preach the, the upcoming week. And so I was reading this passage to them as they're eating breakfast this week. And I read all 21 verses that Missy just read and, and went through, yeah, just, just went through all of them. They're eight and nine years old, guys, okay? So, like, remember that. Um, they're, not, they're not adults like us. Uh, they're eight and nine years old. I'm reading through all those 21 verses with them. <clears throat> and I finish, and I say, hey, what did you guys think? And, and Reagan's first reaction, my eight-year-old, her first reaction is, I like that. And I said, I said, why? And she's like, they're having a party about what God just did. Come on. <laughs> Two things happened. <laughs> I, immediately my eyes were open to the beauty of this passage. And then second, I almost cried. Because I was like, I hadn't seen that before. I'd, I'd been reading the passage all week, actually. <laughs> and I hadn't seen the beauty of it, until she said that, <clears throat> that they're celebrating. Like, essentially, this is a passage of celebration. It's a passage of joy. It's a passage of hope. And my eight-year-old revealed that to me uh, through, through the Spirit of the Lord, right? And, and so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, because odds are, when Missy read that passage, that wasn't your first reaction. It wasn't like, oh, this is a song of celebration, there's actually a lot of death and destruction in that passage, it sounded like. So it probably wasn't your first, like, oh, this is a party. Um, but uh, for Reagan, that's what she heard. Now this is, like, they're celebrating God here and, and what he's done. So let's walk through this passage and, and let's talk about celebration. Let's talk about 
how we celebrate in prayer and, and, and why it's important for us to do so. So beginning in verse 1, I'm going to try to go through this pretty, pretty quickly, guys, uh, just because we started, started later. Uh, so if you have any questions, um, you can always ask me afterwards. Uh, okay, verse 1. Moses says, I will sing to the Lord. <clears throat> now he puts it in first person there because he's singing this song, but for generations what it also does is it invites us into the song so that when you read this, you can actually say, I, me, the person reading this, I will sing to the Lord, right? So we're all invited into this song of celebration right now. So I will sing to the Lord, Moses says that, for he, or because he, for he has triumphed gloriously. So what just happened was the Israelites just crossed through the Red Sea on dry ground because what happened before that was Pharaoh and his army and his chariots were trying to kill them, run them down, destroy them. What happened right before that is Israel just got released from years and generations of oppression and, and slavery, okay? And, and so they've just walked through on dry ground. They're on the other side. Pharaoh and his army, they got swallowed up by the waters, and they're celebrating. This is, and this is what immediately comes out of Moses', Moses mouth. Uh, and it's this song, this prophetic song of deliverance, of celebration. And he says in verse 2, The Lord, Yahweh, the Lord, is my strength and my song. What does that mean? What does it mean for the Lord to be your strength? Maybe a better question is, what are you putting your strength in? What is your strength? Here, here Moses says, it's the Lord who we've relied on. It's the Lord who is our guide. It's the Lord who gives us power. It's the Lord who, who makes us secure. It's the Lord who is our strength. Um, but for a lot of us, um, money is your security blanket. We throw that term out a lot, right? Money is your security blanket. You have a security blanket in your savings. That's, that's your security. I mean, we even, if you're in finance here, where's my, where, where's Ryan, finance guy? There's Alex right there. Securities is like, oh yeah, you guys are sitting in the same row. Nice. Is that the finance row? Okay. <laughs> oh. Yeah, securities is even like a finance term, right? It's a financial term. So um, I hear people say sometimes money is my security blanket or this savings is. is. Is that where your strength is? You know, a lot of you would say family is my life. Is that where your strength is? Some of you would say, well, um, my, my career. Is that where your strength is? Your career is your identity. Or, or some of you might say, um, my grades, what I get in my grades are, are how I feel approved. Are your grades your, your approval? Like is, what, is what an arbitrary system and professor gives you in a subjective <laughs> grading environment where you put your approval? You know, is that piece of paper, that diploma, is that your approval? And for some of you guys, your approval is everything. Where's your strength this morning? Is your strength actually in the Lord? Moses invites us into this. He says, he says, the Lord is my strength. 
Can you guys actually say that today? If that's true, if you want that to be true for you today, or if that is true for you, to, for you today, let's say that. The Lord is my strength. Like, as followers of Jesus, we should want that to be true, even if day to day we're like, oh, I don't know, I, I, I can't fully get there. Like, just say that. That'll change everything. Just say, the Lord is my strength. That's the first step in the right direction. He also says, the Lord is my song. Now, what does that mean? The Lord is, the Lord is my song. Here, not all songs are songs of celebration, right? So as we go through the series, we're going to go through songs of lament, Songs of deliverance, songs of celebration. There's, there's all kinds of different songs. You know, you have, you have blues, you have pop songs, all, all that. But this one is a song of celebration. So, so when he says the Lord is my song, he's talking about celebrating here. He's saying, he's saying, I celebrate God. So the question here is, do you? Is the Lord your song? Do you celebrate the Lord? How do you celebrate him? And, and you might say, well, we just did that. You know, if you're here for the worship set, we, we just did that. We celebrated God. You could say, well, I, <clears throat> I come to church on Sundays, and I celebrate there, and, uh, you know, I do Christmas, and I do Easter. I celebrate his, his birth at Christmas. I celebrate the resurrection at Easter. Um, you know, I, I thank God sometimes for salvation. So, yeah, yeah, I celebrate God on all these big things. Let me give you a little insight into relationship. Um, if you just celebrate the big things, that's not going to get you very far. Missy and I have been married for almost 16 years. And think about this. If we just celebrated, if we just did a good job of celebrating our birthdays every year, our anniversary, uh, our kids' birthdays, Valentine's Day, which I think Missy said two weeks ago that that was the devil's holiday. Um, <laughs> uh, if we just celebrated those, like, that wouldn't be a very fruitful, thriving, alive relationship. Missy and I choose to celebrate each other every day. And so, when you think about your relationship with God, this, this song of celebration, what I want to teach you guys about your prayer life today, is that it should be celebration every day. So here's a practical tip for you guys up here on the slide, is... <clears throat> the Lord should be your celebration song every day. I, it should, he, should be the, he should be your song and your strength. And so this is something I do in my prayer life. Uh, every time I pray, I, I almost say every time, that's almost every time, probably 99% of the time, so I'm sure there's times where I haven't done this. Um, I make it a habit to start out my prayers with praising God for who He is and thanking Him for what He's done. That's how I start almost every single prayer. I praise God for who he is, and I thank him for what he's done. Before anything else, before anything else, I start out with celebration. And that aligns my heart, it, 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 it aligns my ears. One of the main purposes of prayer, guys, this has come out in the series, is to align your will with God's will. Okay, that's one of the main purposes of prayer, is, is to put your desires with God's desires is to commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, this is Psalm 37, and He will act. Like that's, that's, the, that's the essence of, of prayer. So I always, I say always again, I always try to start out my prayer with celebration. Saying, God, thank you for this. Thank you for, and guys, it's as simple as this. I'll say, God, thank you for the breath that I'm breathing right now, that I can use it to praise your name. 
And thank you for what you've already done this morning. You know, if it's early in the morning, thank you for waking me up this morning, <laughs> even though I hated waking up that early. You know, thank you for doing that. Thank you for giving me the breath of life. Thank you for what I have, what, what, what's going to happen today. You know, what, what, whatever it is, wherever you are in your day, make it, try to make it a habit to, to praise him for who he is and thank him for what he's done. So Moses says here, the Lord is my strength <clears throat> and my song. Let's skip down to verse 3. He says, <clears throat> he says, the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Now, that might make some of you guys uneasy in here because you may be thinking, okay, this is like Old Testament God. He's, he's angry. He's wrathful, you know, things like that. Guys, there's no dichotomy here. God is the same God throughout the entire scriptures, okay? So that, that can't be your explanation. And you might say, okay, well, that doesn't really, that, that doesn't really position well, and it, it, kind of, it kind of goes against who I know Jesus to be as a, as a peacemaker, right? Doesn't he say uh, to be peacemakers and, and those who are peacemakers will be called the sons of God? Uh, and, and Jesus came to make peace, right? Um, but again, remember, Jesus is representing the same God. He's, he's the, Colossians says he's the, he's the image, the perfect image of the invisible God, okay? He is God. He's a son of God. He's He's fully God as a person in the Trinity. And so here, when it says the Lord is a man of war, that, that word is, could be warrior. And, you know, like we sing songs like that, right? The Lord is a warrior. Uh, Jesus is a warrior. So, so what, is, what is this saying to us? Uh, because, you know, we're about to get, if that makes you uneasy, wait till you get to verses 4 through, through 9 when, when people actually get destroyed. And, and they're actually celebrating it. Okay, um, now that makes me uneasy, just saying that. Uh, but here, the Lord is a man of war. Let me give you some, some New Testament passages that reflect this. So 2 Corinthians, or is it 1st or 2 first Corinthians? 1 Corinthians 15. It says, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying, this is about Jesus, guys, okay? So he delivers the kingdom after destroying every rule, every authority, every power. That should remind you of, a ver of another passage in the New Testament in Ephesians chapter 6. Because here's the thing, guys. Here's our framework for understanding this. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this present darkness. Now sometimes, and a lot of times, guys, those spiritual forces manifest themselves physically. Right? And that's the case here. Okay? So before you get all uneasy about this, remember, the people of God, the ones who are to be a light to the nations, to bring this vehicle, uh, to be the vehicle, to bring Jesus to the world, they were just generationally oppressed, experienced racism, prejudice, genocide. Right? Like their babies were being killed, guys. Uh, they, they experienced abuse and trauma and all these things. So, what we're about to read in verses 4 and following is God's justice. It's his justice. So what really should make you uneasy is injustice. And we're in a culture now where, where when justice gets exacted, that makes us uneasy. But, but remember, the Lord is our strength in our song. We're not, we're not exacting our own justice, right? We're celebrating God's perfect idea of it, okay? Um, 
And if you don't understand, if you don't get it, if you're like, ah, I still don't, that's okay, because you're not God. And we can say, okay, we trust, we trust God here, because it's in, it's in his word. So this is Jesus. He destroyed those things, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies, where? Under his feet. And he's standing on top of them, guys. Okay, is there another verse? I can't remember how far I went with this. Uh, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. If you're a Harry Potter fan in here, that should remind you of something. Yeah. <laughs> she, she quotes that, that verse in the book. It's, it's actually a big part of the books. So, uh, the last enemy to be, to be destroyed is death. Verse 27, for God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it's plain that he's expected uh, who put all things in subjection under him. And then verse 28, <clears throat> when all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. There's a lot of subjection going on there. I don't have time to explain all that. Uh, let's go to Revelation. This is at the very end, Revelation 19. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. Guys, do you believe that about God this morning? That he's faithful and true? Like then, then remember that for the context of this passage. Because in, it's in his righteousness, or I should say just righteousness. This is objective righteousness, right? It's in righteousness he judges and makes war. Okay? It's righteousness. It's a righteous act here. Okay? His eyes are like a flame of fire. This is a warrior description. And on his head are many diadems, crowns. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. <clears throat> He's clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Yeah, those are like tattoos on his thighs. He's got King of Kings and Lord of Lords on his thighs. They're right in there. I don't think that's like a Sharpie, right? Like, those are like in his, in his skin. Because that's, that's who he is. That's his identity. That's, he is a warrior king, right? And so, when we read this passage, I, I, want, I want that, maybe that made you feel more uneasy. <laughs> I, I want you to know that, that Jesus is a peacemaker, but remember what a peacemaker has to do. A peacemaker doesn't make peace by standing on the sidelines and say, hey, stop that fighting over there. Hey, why don't you guys just, just calm down? A peacemaker inserts themselves straight into the battle, into the war, into the conflict. That's the only way Jesus can make peace. Jesus stepped out of heaven, where it was great, guys, where the will of God is done all the time. He stepped out of heaven into this corrupt, sinful, vile earth that was corrupted by our sin, and he took on human flesh to war and to battle with our sinful nature. Jesus is the ultimate warrior, and he had to do that 
in order to rescue us, in order to save us, in order to redeem us, in order to show us the abundant life. So yes, he is a peacemaker, but he's also a warrior king who battled our flesh and overcame it. And the, and the last enemy destroyed his death, and he already destroyed it. Now, he already took care of it. So that for us as followers of Jesus, death is no longer loss, it's gain. And so all that is the context of this passage. All that we, we can, so we can celebrate what God does here because it was for our redemption. It's for the redemption of the world and he's battling against spiritual forces here. So verses four through 10, or sorry, four, yeah, four through 10 deal with that. And you see here in verse nine, the enemy says this. This is the enemy, guys. I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil and my desire shall have its fill of them and I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. That's what the enemy was saying and thinking at that time. And God said, my people have suffered enough, and now they're to be a light to the nations. And I'm going to free them, and I'm going to release them for the nations. So he did. And then verse 11 says, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders, you stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. And guys, here is the grand narrative of the entire scriptures in verse 13. This is the meta-narrative. This is, you can trace this, this uh, idea, this theme throughout the entire scriptures, is this, verse 13. You, God, have led in your steadfast love. You're always pursuing, never giving up, always forgiving, always coming after us, love that never, ever fails and never ends. You've led out in that love the people whom you have redeemed. And you have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. Guys, that's, that's a whole idea of the Christian faith. Is, is God saying, welcome home? Is God saying, you belong here? Is God saying, I've created a home for you? Is God saying, you are in my abode. You are, and, and, and what's even more beautiful about that is he, if you're a follower of Jesus in here this morning, he's made each of you the dwelling place of the Spirit. Now, the Spirit lives in us. We have the Spirit of God. We become that, that abode. That's, that's, the, that's the whole, you can take that verse 13 and you can read everything through that lens in the Scriptures that he is in his steadfast love, which is a very unique Hebrew word um, that isn't really fully translated well in, in English. That's as best as we can do. It's just the idea of God's perfect love, uh, that he's redeemed us and he's guided us by his strength to his holy abode, to where he lives, to where he dwells. And he's made his dwelling among us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us in Jesus Christ. And you might say, man, that sounds, that sounds pretty good. Like, that sounds like something to celebrate. That sounds like a pretty good party. And like, we we want to invite the world to that party, right? We want to invite our friends and our coworkers, our neighbors. And if you're not a follower of Jesus in here this morning, we're inviting you to that party this morning. But you might say, man, I'm so far away from that. Like, I don't even know how to get there. And that's verses 14 through 16. Because it says, the peoples heard, 
the, the, the inhabitants of Philistia, they, they trembled. Right? And, and the Red Sea, how this works, so let's, let's say this Bible here is the Red Sea. Um, the inhabitants of Philistia lived up here. The people came right here. And so they either had to go up here to go through Philistia, up here, or they had to cross the Red Sea here. Okay? And God made a way. He cleared their path. Right? So, they, so you might be saying this morning, man, I got so many obstacles in my way. Like, that sounds like a good party, but I got to get this right in my life. I got to do that in my life. I got to get over this sin. I got to do whatever. And, and on, before that happens, and we see here that God is actually the one who clears the path and makes the way for them. And so he does that through Philistia. Uh, he takes them straight through the Red Sea. And then the next three nations here, Edom, Moab, Canaan, you can trace through numbers. They actually go through each of these nations in that order. And he says, hey, before you go through them, remember, Edom is dismayed. The leaders of Moab are trembling. Can the hearts of the Canaanites have, have been melting away. And remember that as you go forward and walk in my light. And so remember that this morning, guys. God has made a way. He's triumphed gloriously. And you may say, I don't know about that. If you're a follower of Jesus, guys, he has triumphed gloriously, whether you feel it or not. If you're not a follower of Jesus, that can be true for you today. Hey, say to your neighbor, he has triumphed gloriously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, turn around and say that. Yeah, that's good. Um, guys, that's true. Today, he has triumphed gloriously. We should get excited about that. And even my eight-year-old Reagan saw that through all this, this was a party, that he's triumphed gloriously. And so go down to verse 17. He says, because of all this, he's made the way. You will bring them in. Moses is talking to God now and you will plant them on your own mountain, the place, O Lord, which you have made your abode, the sanctuary, Lord, which your hands have established, and the Lord will reign forever and ever. Again, the Lord there is Yahweh. It's God's personal name from Exodus chapter 3. It's, it all, whenever you see it in all caps in your scriptures there, it always represents something intimate and personal. Okay? There's another word for Lord when it's not translated in all caps. It is another Hebrew word. This is God's personal name he gave to Moses. And so when he's talking to God here, there's a relationship, right? He's celebrating him as a personal, intimate God. And, and so he says, you will reign forever and ever. And, and, uh, and guys, this is, this is for our church. As I was reading through this, I was like, God, what do you want for our church? What is, what is the new song we're to discover as a church together through this series for this year? And... And he said, verse 17 is us. He says, I planted you here in this city. And you are to be an abode for your community. And you are to be a sanctuary for your city. A holy place, a refuge, an oasis in our city. And so guys, that's, that's what we're discovering together as a church. Guys, there's, there aren't most of what's out there in the world um, is just always going to fail you. I mean, what happens when you put your strength in money, family, uh, grades, what else did I say, um, job, career, and that fails you? Because it will. What happens when someone in your family gets sick and they die? 
What happens when you don't get an A and you get a C? What happens when you fail that course? What happens when uh, that you don't get that promotion? What happens when uh, the stock market crashes and all, your, and all your security is gone? If you've placed everything in that and your strength is in that, then, then, you, then you got nothing. It's the Lord who should be our strength. And we as a church, we get to make a place where we get to say to people, he has triumphed gloriously. The Lord is your strength. This can be your abode. This can be your sanctuary. This is his mountain. And we implanted here for that. And the last, last three verses here, Miriam hears Moses' song, who's her brother, and she says, you know what? I'm going to make that my song too. I'm going to take that song, and I'm not going to make up anything else. I'm going to take that song, and I'm going to make it my own. And so, guys, we have been invited to sing this song, sing this song of celebration. And so I want to teach you, like, this whole, this whole point was to teach you to celebrate God in your lives. And Miriam does that. She's a prophetess that says, she took a tambourine in her hand. We're not going to have any of those anytime soon. Probably. I don't know, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Um, are those coming back? Um, so she took a tambourine in her hand, and she leads all the women out with tambourines and dancing. And she says, sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. Amen. Let's say that together. He has triumphed gloriously. He's triumphed gloriously. Yeah. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you have triumphed gloriously, that you are God, and we don't understand all your ways. We don't understand why this was such a celebration fully, but we trust you. We trust your righteousness. We trust your justice. We trust your goodness. And we trust that when you say it's time to be a warrior, that it's time to be a warrior. When it's time to be a peacemaker, it's time to be a peacemaker. And, and God, I don't know if those are two different things. I think, I think those might be the same, the same thing, the same coin, two sides. And so use us, God, in this city as you see fit to be, to be an abode, a sanctuary for our neighborhood, for our community, for our city, to your exaltation, Lord Jesus. We love you and pray this in your name. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.